All right, so if you've, if you've been with us, you know we're working our way through the Apostles' Creed this semester. And tonight we're looking at um, that phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage out of Galatians chapter 5, um, one of Paul's letters. And we're going to look at Galatians 5, verses 16 to uh, 26. So it stands a little wonky. And there we go. All right, so Galatians 5, starting verse 16. Uh, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, and this is what we're going to focus on more tonight, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let me pray for us. I just want to talk about what do we, what do we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and most specifically, what is the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a believer? Let's pray first. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and have your way with us. You are the Spirit who brings life and faith, who unites us to Jesus. Uh, You are the Spirit who convicts us uh, when there is unconfessed, unrepentant of sin in our lives. Uh, You are the Spirit who comes and Uh, reminds us, shows us, um, impresses upon our hearts the glory and the beauty of Jesus. And Lord, we ask by your Spirit you would do these things in our midst tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in us in these ways tonight, that we might bask and be changed by the glory of Jesus. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so low-key, one of my favorite spots on campus is uh, what is simply called the reflection pool in front of Thomas Cooper T. Coop. And for the longest time, like when I was a student, I just kind of thought, this is a nice little place to, I guess, I don't know what, I didn't really study so much there, but just go and sit, just maybe be by the water on a crazier night after winds. I had friends, not me personally, who would go and jump in the pool. I don't know what your experience of the pool has been. But it wasn't until probably about five, six, seven years ago where I learned what the point of the pool was. And it, it is called a reflection pool. And in older times, pools like this were built for one purpose. And that purpose was to reflect on a beautiful day the glory and majesty of the building that is Thomas Cooper. You probably don't think Thomas Cooper is a glorious building, but it is if you just take a grant, if you don't think about school and just take it in. But the reflection pool, that's the role of it. That's the goal of it. That's what it does is it reflects the glory and the beauty of Thomas Cooper Library. 
The only thing I want you, if you take away one thing tonight about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it is simply this. Like that reflection poll, the work of the Spirit is to draw us, to show us, to impress upon us the glory and the beauty of Jesus. Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, when I leave you, I will send the Spirit and he will glorify me And it's interesting because I don't know what tradition you grew up in, but we can get pretty lost in the weeds of what the Spirit does. And all I want to do is to bring us back to the center that this is the main thing the Spirit does in our lives is to show us. This is the way I want to say it, to make Jesus more beautiful and to make Jesus more believable. And and what I want to talk about tonight is how he does that in growing the fruit of the Spirit in us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is that is his work. He is as he shows us the beauty and the glory of Jesus, he is changing us to be more like Jesus. And that is the fruit of the Spirit. And so three things I want us to see about his work in us as he grows in us the fruit of the Spirit. Three things about it. First, that that work is singular. Second, that work is gradual. And lastly, that work is inevitable. So first, it's singular. And here's the first thing I want you to see, thinking about the fruit of the Spirit in particular, is I want you to notice it's not fruits. It's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, singular. It's interesting. I think this is the point. When we look at that list, what we have is on full display who Jesus is. Think about Jesus and his great love. Think about Jesus and his great joy. Think about Jesus and his great patience. Think about Jesus and his great gentleness. Think about Jesus and his great faithfulness. Think about Jesus as he goes to the cross and his great self-control. What the fruit of the Spirit is singularly is the character of Jesus. And what the Spirit is doing in us, if we belong to Christ, is he is growing in us a likeness to Jesus. But it all goes together. Think about it like this with me for a second. It is singular because it's the character of Jesus. But think about it. What good is love without self-control? And what good is self-control without love? What good is joy without gentleness? And what good is gentleness without joy? Uh, What good is peace without faithfulness? And what good is faithfulness without peace? What good is patience without goodness? And what good is goodness without patience? They all go together as we see them in full display in Jesus. This is going to be silly, but just track with me. So Clay and I went to lunch yesterday at Jason's Deli. When I'm in like a healthier season, I'm trying to eat more salads. Y'all get it. Maybe you don't get it. I'm 40 now. You just have to worry about that stuff more. You don't have to, you get to, this is, okay, all right, so this is not a counseling session, but I'm at Jason's Deli, and I have my go-to salad bar salad at Jason's Deli. Here's what it involves. Mixed greens, a little bit of spinach, red peppers, carrots, I'm just going to go for it, <laughs> green olives, two eggs, uh, sometimes sunflower seeds, always treat myself to two things, ranch, and the kicker is a little bit of bacon. Guess what Jason's Deli doesn't have? on this particular day yesterday. They don't have the bacon. Bacon is like the LeBron James of salads. It puts the team on its back. It carries the team. And it was not there. So I got like cauliflower instead. It didn't help. I got a little extra olives. Yeah, no, there was nothing to replace it. This isn't going to work. Here we go. The salad was nearly ruined because the bacon was gone. And that's kind of how the fruit of the spirit is. You can have all the self-control in the world, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, but if you have not love, you're a, gang, you're a, a, 
uh, clanging cymbal, a banging gong. Uh, You can have all the faithfulness in the world, but if you don't have joy, it all goes together. Uh, Here's kind of the application. And here's, this is what I want you to see. This means the way that we grow, I think it's easy to look at the fruit of the Spirit and think, which one do I suck at? Let me work on that one. And what I want you to see is that's not how it works. The way the Spirit grows us in this fruit is to point us and keep us in the love of Jesus. It is to fix our gaze on Jesus. It is to keep us in the love of Jesus, which is the only way you're going to grow in love for Jesus. Um, Harry Potter, I think I've done this one before, but I'm just going to do it again. It's that scene with Voldemort where uh, um, Dumbledore's processing with Harry about why Voldemort is Voldemort. And he has that line where he says to Harry, your mother died to save you. If there's one thing, I think I've said this, but here, let's go it again. Uh, if there's one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark, not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. And what I want you to say is that the Spirit, what I want you to say is if the Spirit does one thing, if he knows one thing, it is the love of Jesus for you. And his work in your life is to show you more and more and more and more just how loved by Jesus you are. And that's the only way you're going to grow in self-control. That's the only way you're going to grow in faithfulness is to, to have that impressed upon you by the Spirit. So first, it's singular, but second, it's gradual. What I mean is it doesn't happen all at once. And this is where the analogy is pretty simple. It's like any fruit or the growth of any fruit. It happens gradually. It happens slowly. Sometimes you can't even see the growth. It's so hidden. It's so beneath the surface. In other words, here's the simple point, that growth in God's grace, growth and likeness to Jesus is always going to be slower than you want it to be. It's always going to be harder than you want it to be. It's always going to be messier than you want it to be. And oftentimes it's going to be more painful than you want it to be. Uh, it's Jesus when he's with his disciples it's in John 15 and he's describing what it's like to be in a relationship with him. And he says that image, you know it. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. And part of his growth, growing us in these ways, is he is pruning us. He is cutting out those shoots and those wild branches and those weeds that would draw us away or suffocate our love for Jesus. He is, in his wisdom and his patience, pruning us. So I work landscaping. I've said this before. It's probably hard to envision. I worked landscaping right after college. And the one, like I have some distinct memories, but one that I have is I was told to go out. We, we planted trees um, and I was told to go out and prune the trees. Well, I, I was 23 years old, 22 years old. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I had to have this guy show me how to prune these little trees and he said, here's the thing. This is what you got to know. Watch me do it. Because if you cut them too far, it's not, they're not going to grow the way they should. But if you also, if you cut them too close, they're not, you're going to draw too much shaft. They're not going to grow the way that they should. And I love the way that Sinclair Ferguson, he says it like this, thinking about how the father is growing us in this fruit by his spirit. And he says it like this. It's a little bit long, but listen to me. He says, the father prunes in order that they might, we might bear more fruit. 
strengthened to bear long-term fruit, Jesus would experience this pruning knife himself. Pain, the pain of the Father's work upon his life, but it would bear enormous fruit. The reason we're here is because of the Father's pruning knife upon his own son. Those places in your life where people say, what a waste, may be the very place the Father is pruning you. You can spiritually embrace others in those places you yourself went through. The difference between the vine dresser and us, and I love this, is that he knows exactly what he is doing. And there is never one, I love this line, there is never one wasted stroke from his pruning knife. The work of the Spirit is to slowly, patiently, never as quickly as we would like it to be, grow us in likeness and love to Jesus. And it's a process. It's a process. You're a work in progress. And I'm a work in progress. And it's going to take some patience. And it's going to take some time. And this is the application. This means you have to learn to be as patient with yourself as Jesus is. You have to learn to be as gentle with yourself as Jesus is. You have to learn to be as patient and to know that this is what amazes me about Jesus is in this moment, for all of us in this room, Jesus knows exactly how much we need to change. And yet he never brings it all to bear at once. He goes at a pace that we can take. He goes at a pace that is patient, so patient with us. I love the way that John Newton will say it. He says it like this. I am not what I ought to be. Ah, how imperfect and deficient. I am not what I wish to be. I abhor that which is evil and I would cleave to that which is good. I am not what I hope to be. Soon, soon I shall put off mortality and with mortality all sin and imperfection. And listen to what he says. Though I am not what I ought to be, what I wish to be, and what I hope to be, Yet I can truly say I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan. I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So first, it's singular. Second, it's gradual. It doesn't happen all at once. The last thing we see is inevitable. And it's simply this. This is the hopeful point is the fruit will come. The Spirit's work in your life. He will bring to fruition. Paul says in Philippians, the good work that he began in you, he will bring it to completion. It does not depend on you. It depends on him. It does not depend on your faithfulness. It involves your faithfulness. It depends on his. I like the way that Scott Sauls will say it. He'll say it like this. The way to be much like Jesus or more like Jesus is to be much with Jesus And part of the work of the Spirit in your life and my life is to make us much, to want to be much with, to be much with Jesus. We can say it two ways. Here's the first way. In other words, what's inevitable for all of us, Jesus or not, is that we will become like what we give our affection to. Right? Like if you give your affection to whatever idol in your life, you're going to become more like it. And that's just inevitable for all of us. Like, I, I, you know, so we had the kids Halloween thing. Um, one Always one of the saddest realities to me is like the guy in, who's my age, but who's still, he has given his affection. He gave all of his affection to what it meant to do sort of the college life here. And you can feel those adults still trying to like give their affection to dressing certain ways and, and doing certain things and going certain places. What we give our affection to truly does 
shape us. If you think about if you're a TV person, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad with a friend right now. And fascinating to watch. Well, how does Walter White become Heisenberg? How does he become the evil villain that is Walter White? Because he gives his affection. He gave his affection to power and to money. And he became, he went down a road he never thought he would. It's inevitable that we become like what we worship. It's inevitable that we, we, we become like what we give our affection to. But there is a greater inevitability for us in Christ. And it's inevitable for us that we're going to become more like Jesus because he's already given his affection to us. He's already given his heart, his life for us in love. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8 that the Spirit testifies to our spirit. This is part of what the Spirit does is he testifies to our spirit and says, you are a beloved child of God. Look at what the Father has done to bring you in. Look at what Jesus has done to bring you home. This is the work of the Spirit. And I want to say like this, there's this letter that I love from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's in prison, Nazi Germany, and his niece is getting married, and he can't obviously do the wedding, but he writes a letter to his niece. And there's this line that I I always say at weddings that I love so much where he says to his niece, he says, I want you to know from this day on, It is not your love that will keep your marriage. It is your marriage that will keep your love. And what I want you to see is it is not your love to Jesus that will keep you. It is his love to you, his faithfulness to you, his joy over you, his patience with you. The peace that was brought to him as he went to the cross to bring you back to God the self-control he showed in the giving of his life for you, that is what keeps us. And this is the work of the Spirit to show us, to, to shine the spotlight on the love and person and work of Jesus for you and for me. Um, and here's the application. If the Christian life, so Halloween slash Reformation Day, <laughs> if you're in the... Reformation, Martin Luther, 95 Theses, the first. You know, what's the first? The the first. All of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Do you know the only way you're going to do repentance and I'm going to do repentance? Is it if the Spirit sheds abroad the love of Jesus in your heart? You want to know the only way you're going to feel freedom to be honest about what you're really struggling with? Is if you believe it's not your love to Jesus that keeps you, it's his love to you. I'll close with this, one of my, my favorite Christian songs as a guy named Thad Cockrell, and it's just called Oh to Be Loved by Jesus. I'm just going to close this out, not by singing it, because that would be uncomfortable, but by reading you these lyrics, because this is the work of the Spirit. Just listen, let these wash over you, and then we're done. Oh to be loved by Jesus. Oh to be loved by him. Oh to have joy and peace within. Oh to be loved by him. He knows the names of my sorrows. He knows the names of my fears. Why should I let them bother me? For I know he is near. Oh, to be loved by Jesus. Oh, to be loved by him. Oh, to have joy and patience within. Oh, to be loved by him. And this is how he closes. And if no other will love me in this life I own, there'd be no love I would long for. I know I am his own. 
Oh, to be loved by Jesus. Oh, to be loved by him. Let's pray. Spirit, would you shed abroad the love of Jesus in our hearts? Would you change us and transform us by your grace? We ask this. We need this. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Stand and sing our, stand and sing our last one.